Welcome to the Public Health Power Hour podcast, a recording of live conversations with public health experts on the most important global health issues. I'm Steve Hamill, Vice President of Policy Advocacy and Communication at Vital Strategies. We're a global health organization and we're reimagining public health. At Vital Strategies, we believe that public health is everything that surrounds you that makes great health possible. That means clean air and water, access to medicine and quality care, healthy food and places to get exercise, and removing bias and discrimination in healthcare. Here on the Public Health Power Hour, we get together to look at how the world around us shapes our health and how we can shape the environment so that everyone everywhere has the potential for great health. And if you want to join our conversations live, please follow us on Twitter under the handle VitalStrat. Welcome, everybody, to this Public Health Power Hour, counting everyone for a more inclusive and equitable and healthier world. We're working behind the scenes to get one of our speakers up on stage. But in the meantime, um, I'm going to ask uh, Joan Sarah Thomas, our host, to get started. Um, at, at, uh, just kick off the show or the discussion while we get other colleagues uh, up on stage. Joan, over to you. Thank you, Steve. I hope you can hear me well. Um, so a very warm welcome to this Public Health Power Hour. Um, as Steve mentioned, my name is Joan Sara Thomas, and I'm a regional technical advisor for the Civil Registration and Vital Statistics Improvement Program at Vital Strategies. Uh, public health organization. At Vital Strategies, we believe that public health is everything that surrounds you. For instance, the clean air we breathe, the water we drink, our access to medicines and healthy food, as well as some of the more subtle things, but important ones, such as culture and removing barriers to health, like biases that create inequities. And yes, public health definitely means collecting great data and the ability to turn that data into meaningful insights that can help us make decisions on what policies, investments, and interventions will have the biggest impact. So here on the Public Health Power Hour, we get together most Thursdays to learn about different areas of public health, what change could look like, and about how we can contribute to that change. We've had fantastic discussions on a host of different topics each week. If you have a topic that you would like us to cover here on the Power Hour, drop us an email at powerhour@vitalstrategies.org. To get alerts on future discussions, just follow us on Twitter. So I wanted to share with you that last week, Vital Strategies and our partners at the Bloomberg Philanthropies Data for Health Initiative launched the Counting Everyone campaign to highlight the unique ways that countries are leveraging leadership and coordination to improve CRVS systems. To those in the audience today, we would love you to learn more about this campaign. You will find some inspiring country case studies showcasing impressive efforts taken by national governments around the world. It's really an important movement, and I encourage you to make a visit to the website at vitalstrategies.org forward slash counting everyone. So this week, we're centering our discussion on civil registration and vital statistics, and I refer to it as CRVS because that's what we call it in short. We have a fantastic panel of experts with us today, um, and we'll be talking about how leadership and coordination play a critical role in progressing government's ability to count everyone everywhere. But before we delve into that, we have a bit of a tradition here at the Public Health Power Hour where we ask our speakers to give us a news flash of what has caught their eye in their news feeds. We call this the health news of the week. 
So here is how it's going to go. I'm going to introduce our speakers um, one at a time, and they're going to give us a quick news flash. Um, I think I'm going to do this alphabetically. Okay, so we have Miss Gloria Mathenge first. Gloria, you're first. Gloria is a statistician at the Demographic and Social Statistics Division at the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa. Prior to this, Gloria worked as a regional advisor for CRVS at the Secretariat for the Pacific Community. Welcome, Gloria. Give us your news flash. Thank you very much, John. My news flash this week and over the past weeks has been the increase in adolescent pregnancies um, in Kenya and continentally. Thank you. Thank you, Gloria. You can tell us a little bit more about that as well, because, you know, that is just such an incredibly um, uh, important uh, topic, because you see that coming out in a lot of what we do at CRVS work. Tell, tell, tell us why that was so important to you real quick. Yes, that's correct. Um, what's happening and closely linked to the COVID-19 pandemic is that there are quite a lot of adolescent pregnancies. And um, I was just reading a newspaper article linking it to, you know, the stay-at-home procedures and um, how schools and education programs have been affected by the pandemic, leading to very unusual uh, patterns of, of schooling. And this is what is being linked to why the pregnancies are happening. Kids are getting a bit more time out of the school schooling space and all. And, and what strikes me is just how an entirely different space of a health pandemic is creating another health pandemic which whose impact we are likely to see in many generations to come because then we're talking about kids dropping out. We're talking about a new generation of mothers that are getting kids that are, when they're very young, carefully are these kids getting attended to in terms of health care? What do we know about abortions or infant death during this time or even um, what do you call them, the death uh, in, the, in, the, in the early pregnancy, abortions and so forth. So that makes me worry. And I also think it's something that we'll be struggling with um, for quite a long time in the future. Oh, Gloria, thank you for sharing that. It's it just so, it, it mirrors out to us all the time just how layered public health really is, right? Um, these challenges are just interwoven with each other. Thank you for that. Um, really important piece. Next up, we have uh, Dr. Masidi Klapo, who is Chief Survey Statistician in the Health and Vital Statistics Division at Statistics Africa. Um, along with being the focal point for CRVS for South Africa, Masidi has been instrumental in the Pan-African strategy for CRVS improvement. Welcome to you, Masidi. What article would you like to share with our audience and why is it important? Thank you for having me. Um, an article that, that caught my attention last week was in the um, in News 24 here in South Africa, talking about a Zimbabwean woman who has been in South Africa for a number of years and had two children. Um, and the woman is struggling to get the two children registered with the Department of Home Affairs, largely because of uh, the current legislation, which um, um, doesn't allow the registration of women of, of children where both parents are not South African. And it's a shortcoming in our legislation. Um, it means now one of the children who's about five years old uh, is unable to go to school, basically. Um, there was a court case that recently went to the Constitutional Court, and the court has ordered uh, the Home Affairs to relook into um, 
the legislation uh, and because they are basically um, rendering the children uh, stateless. I thought it was quite interesting. That is that is so interesting. And, and again, you know, it, it reflects such an important element of having sound legal and regulatory frameworks that can facilitate good practices and optimal CRVS systems to help protect rights, right, and access and benefits. Thank you so much for sharing that, Masidi. Um, um, and finally, and not at all least, we have Dr. Samira Asma. Samira is the Assistant Director General for Data Analytics and Delivery for Impact at the World Health Organization. She leads the organization's efforts to establish the results framework for accountability and using timely, reliable, and actionable data to drive progress to many different health goals and indicators, such as the Health-Related Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. A very warm welcome, Samira. Can you tell us what your news flashes and why it's important. Thank you, uh, first of all, to Vital Strategies uh, for having me along with all the brilliant uh, panelists. Uh, it's an important question. And just a few minutes ago, I tweeted from today's Bloomberg News Africa that in the week ending up to 7th of November, uh, there were 1,500 excess deaths compared to 150 officially reported. And this is what we are seeing country after country. And this needn't be this way. And there are many underlying reasons for this. And uh, we have the tools to fix this also. Uh, WHO, uh, along with partners, will soon be coming up with the excess deaths due to COVID uh, in December for all countries, globally and by regions. And uh, we will be replenishing the updates uh, soon after with how many men, how many women, and by age group, which we have not seen yet the real true impact of the pandemic. Um, so that is something just caught my attention. Uh, one impression that left me um, is from the 2020 BBC article, which had a very powerful picture of seven Zimbabwean stillborn babies wrapped in a green cloth. And the caption was that these were stillborn in one night in one hospital because of fears of COVID due to lack of PPEs, supply chain breakdowns, overworked nurses, and a maternity ward that was completely overwhelmed. So did these seven still births needed to occur this way? Um, or did we ever count them in the assessing the impact of COVID both direct and indirect? Thank you, Samira. That is that is so heartbreaking and so important. Um, you know, I think it's safe to assume, you know, uh, that 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 COVID is definitely on our minds here. You know, I, I just want to before we transition into this discussion, which you've led me, you know, perfectly into Samira with that, is that you know I wanted to thank you guys for sharing those headlines and giving us a little bit of a peek into what's in your network and your news feeds. Um, and so before you know we transition now into into the, really the CRVS discussion. I just want to take a few minutes to set the stage um, for the audience as well before we get into specifics. With Samira, you were met, you know, you let us off with 
with with COVID nineteen is 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 you know exactly what I was about to say. You know, I think it's safe to assume here that many of our listeners feel the same way um, when I say that this season of our that our world is in and that what we're dealing with with COVID nineteen has been heavy on our minds. Samira, Gloria, Sidi, as people who work in public health. I believe you would agree that it has revealed that there's so much more that we need to do to protect people's health. And what you mentioned is spot on, Samir. According to what we know from the data, we have lost so many lives to COVID-19. But we do know that the true toll is vastly more than these tallies. You know, how many more, as you said, is the question. You know, um, at the moment, we are left dealing with gaps in data and left to rely on modeled estimates. But, But we know how to fix it. Um, ultimately, though, no matter what people die from or where they die, everyone everywhere should be counted. And the only sustainable way a country can really do that is by having strong civil registration and vital statistics systems, because it is that system which provides the official records of events like births and deaths. And these systems really then are at the root of good government, government and governance. You know, I still find it incredible that despite the value of civil registration for individuals and governments, a staggering proportion of our world's population still live and will die without a single trace in any official record. Let's put that into some more easily digestible numbers for our audience. This means that every day, in one single day, it's estimated that over 95,000 babies around the world as Samira mentioned in her snippet there, will likely not be registered or counted. And nearly 65,000 people will likely die without their passing being recorded. Or if we put it another way, one in every four births go unregistered every single year and about two thirds of the estimated 60 million deaths that we have annually will be unregistered. Now to me, that's just mind boggling, especially because we know that for individuals recording vital events like your birth or your you know, family, somebody who died and, or marriage is paramount to unlocking everyday rights, benefits and protections, right? Your birth registration, besides being a basic right, gives you access to many other human rights, including access to social economic services like healthcare and education, things that we take maybe for granted. Um, you know, and birth registration is also a very important means of protection and ch- for children and women from discrimination, abuse, and exploitation. So then we look at governments and we say, you know, um, better information on vital events helps them produce a clear picture of population trends. What's happening in their in their um, populations? What are they dying from? Um, and it really is the basis for good governance and efficient service delivery. This information is so fundamental for governments to figure out how to direct resources to the most urgent challenges their populations are facing. And we do know how to do this technically. We do know how to build these systems and make them you know, more efficient. But what we really need is strong leadership, coordination, and collaboration that will take it to the next level. Ultimately, if we're going to build a more inclusive equitable and healthier world, we really have to ensure that everyone counts by counting everyone. So with that context for our audience, I would love to dive in and unravel this further with each of our speakers. So if I could start with you, Gloria, um, perhaps, you know, you could share with us 
You've worked regionally in the Pacific and in Africa advocating for CRVS and working really closely with national focal points. How can we concretely leverage the influence of CRVS leaders and champions across countries within regions to create greater recognition of the value and utility of CRVS systems? What do you think are the most successful measures to ramp up that attention for CRVS, Gloria? Thanks, John. And I think to answer that question, we first of all need to reflect on why is it that these systems have been there for quite a long time, especially in, in, in most developing countries. Um, we have them as early as the colonial era when countries got their independence, but we are still struggling with the same uh, question today. And what first comes to mind is the issue of education among our leadership. And that uh, when I talk of education, I mean how well do our leaders know that this is an important area? Did they grow up with an understanding that it is indeed important? And I think uh, what we need is to see CRVS as an area that we need to change over generations. It's not something that we will change just on one time. On, it doesn't require one time fix. We need to be patient. And to be patient, we need to raise a generation of leaders that understand the importance of CRVS. And that means including this in education, in education programs, like within our primary education programs, secondary education programs. I see kids now learn about SDGs. And why we train them about SDGs is that we think it is an important uh, area for their, for, for their participation. And it's the same thing that I think education um, within formal training curricula and that way we can bring up a generation of leaders that understand this. And I think that's my generation right now, I believe. My generation right now has a better understanding due to the initiatives that have been in place. But we must continue to sustain that knowledge. So that 10 years, 20 years coming on, we have leaders that know and have, know the importance and prioritize um, this area for kids into the future. And if I have um, a few more minutes, I could also mention the issue of demand creation and basically governments, uh, to government agencies talking to government agencies. I think leaders within government need to agree on CRVS records being the central identity records. And in, in this case, I mean streamlining the, the need for registration documents while accessing government services. And that doesn't mean that uh, those without do those documents will be denied, but we can create incentives where those who have have a process that is made much more easier or much more attractive for them. Gloria, that is that is so that's so wonderful. I love the fact that you're talking about the next generation. You have such a forward sort of looking, you know, message there. You know, we we often look, you know, at what's going on now and what we can do to, you know, fix things right away. But you're right that a huge part of that is about um, looking forward to the next generation. How can we really set ourselves up in the CRVS world so we have strong, young, upcoming leaders? Um, in our countries and regions. That's really powerful. And definitely getting governments to talk to other government entities, collaboration is key. You know, um, Masidi, I wonder if you could sort of build on that and tell us, though, so, you know, we know that, you know, CRVS traditionally in countries have, you know, multiple agencies that we have to work with, you know, uh, coordinating across those multiple agencies is so important. But, you know, what are some of the challenges that you see um, in the South African um, setup, you know, uh, for coordinating across these agencies within CRVS? And, you know, how have you seen that, 
dealt with? What opportunities do you see as a leader in CRVS to really push that uh, progress forward? Um, one of the key things um, that uh, we had struggled with uh, in South Africa has been to formalize um, uh, CRVS and, and the mechanism for integration. Integration is a, is a serious challenge um, because we have multiple agencies, each with their own um, legal instrument and processes and procedures um, for 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 the various agencies to understand uh, the long-term um, and, and broader benefits of coordination and, and integration of systems and, and being able to, um, uh, to, to, to broaden participation of, of people beyond just their area and understanding how working together and, and, and understanding that how, how if we, we, we integrate system, that in the long term, they will also um, benefit. And that's the benefits will go beyond just their immediate um, mandates as, as, as organizations that are involved in CRVS. Uh, one of the things that we have set up is, um, a, as, as, as much as it's an informal structure, but we have a, a CRVS um, um advocacy group um, that is made up of um, beyond just the government that in includes also um, academics uh, it has helped quite a lot to advocate even to to government uh, by people who sit outside government um, to say how do we improve what we have there's a lot of improvements that have come out of um, the activities of this um, uh, organ of this body but one other things that we have we have found that it has worked for us, where where legislation is very rigid in terms of um, changing with changing circumstances, has been to to institute um, measures like signing uh, um, uh, agreements, uh, service level agreements, uh, memorandum of understanding, to enable certain activities to happen, enable us to be able to work together and, and, and achieve a lot. And, and we found that it has helped quite a lot. But to, to consistently open um, uh, communication channels and, and, and to enable everybody and to, uh, to, to, to try and, and get everybody to understand that the, 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 the funding and investment that they can put in, in, in improving, especially in the CR area, will, will have long-term benefits. Thank you for that, Masidi. I think those are super important points. And, you know, I think as we, as, as, as you know, um, people within the system and benefiting in the system, but even, you know, those that are really um, working to advance, you know, the, the work of the CRVS system understand that, you know, there are going to always be barriers and challenges, but we have to overcome those by thinking innovatively about how we can integrate, how we can coordinate and collaborate well, you know, I think one of the things, you know, that the pandemic has kind of raised again and again is just, you know, how far reaching the impacts can be across uh, sectors. And, and while acknowledging, you know, the tremendous tragedy of this pandemic, you know, it has, again, highlighted the importance of counting all deaths and collecting accurate cause of death information. And, and in some ways, it's pushed CRVS uh, within, you know, the stakeholders within the system, but also onto the platform in the spotlight, um, getting more attention now um, 
given the importance of being able to collect that kind of vital event data. You know, Samira, I wonder if you could tell us more about how you see this difficult situation of the pandemic as an opportunity for CRVS system strengthening, specifically from your vantage point um, at WHO. Um, what do you think the COVID pandemic is, is teaching us um, about the state of uh, and the need for universal registration of deaths and causes of death? Yes, Joanne, I think ideally it would have been good that we didn't need a crisis like COVID to remind us uh, not only of the importance of CRVS, but collectively our inability to support all countries. You already gave some very uh, important stats where 40% of deaths worldwide go unregistered. Africa, it's 90%. And uh, the score for health data technical package of which Vital Strategies is one of the partners, um, 155 countries lack high quality data on causes of death. This is truly a tragic uh, reminder of our inability to accurately count. But looking at the positive side, crisis comes with opportunity, as you rightly said. Time for counting has come. Uh, because we have tools, we have partners, and we are seeing at many places political commitment. Let me focus on tools first, because those are important, and they were there before, but now we have refined it further. The UNICEF Guide on Health Sector Strengthening. Health sector plays a very important, vital role. WHO has now made CRVS a priority and have come forth with an implementation plan uh, for until 2025. And our number is simple. Let's get 75% of births, deaths, causes of death in 75% of countries by 2025, 75 by 25, and deliver completely by 30. We don't need a lot of time because we know what works. Uh, we have the tools. Uh, during COVID, along with partners, we worked on developing rapid mortality surveillance. We updated the international classification of diseases and the coding for COVID. And most importantly, the campaign uh, of counting everyone. So again, I want to say time for counting has come. And uh, I hope what we need is the speed and scale um, funding and uh, political commitment are the two ingredients uh, that we really need to push towards. And I'm really hoping that this campaign is going to help in both areas uh, to generate that commitment and the resourcing uh, needed. Thank you, Samira. Those are super important messages. Um, you know, I wanted to open into this session with a little bit of some of these uh, perspectives from each of you. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to do a little transition into um, something that I think is really important. You know, the, the, the speakers that we have here today, all of us, actually, we're all female. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I can't help but note that. And, you know, you, you, the three speakers we have are incredible CRVS leaders in their own right as well. And, um, you know, you, you all have committed 
and are committing substantial portions of your career to advancing CRVS. And as we know, CRVS is critical for women, and yet women and girls face major barriers when it comes to civil registration. Birth registration, for example, is critical to establish proof of age, which is critical for marriage registration. And that protects uh, against things like child traffic and child marriage. Yet we still have like 12 million girls under the age of 18 that are being married every year. So CRVS definitely can protect women and girls. So I'd like to sort of open it out to you, um, all the speakers here, to just hear more about your perspectives about, you know, what women in this field may uniquely contribute to leadership and coordination to advance. CRVS. And, and, you know, I'm just going to kick it off by calling on one of you and then maybe the next one could just sort of build off on that would be great. I would love to hear straight from you guys what you think um, we can contribute specifically as women to this field. Um, maybe I could kick it off with um, Gloria. Right, John, I thank you. Thank you. You, you. you pointed out very important examples of the importance of CRVS and how it touches on women. Um, on everyone, but also on women. And I just want to build on that to say it is indeed everyone's agenda. And if we are going to make change, realize change, we need males, females, children, and all uh, angles of society participating in this uh, agenda. So that is the first way I see um, us as women um, being required to actively participate in these fields by being advocates and and by contributing, um, and when I say contributing, it means that when I have a child or I have my sister's child, do I care to know whether this child is registered and do I care to be the preacher in the house? Um, and, and further to that, um, besides it being everyone's agenda, I think we also cannot ignore the intergenerational effect that it has or that non-registration or re registration produces. When a woman's child is registered, then her child is likely to ensure that her baby is registered. And the opposite is true. Um, unregistered families, we see it a lot in, in the discussions of um, the barriers to registration, and someone will say that my mother did not have um, documents, identity documents, because her birth was not registered. So again, we see that uh, a woman has uh, the, the effect of registration or non-registration on a woman has, has an intergenerational ripple effect. And I connect this to a popular Ghanaian uh, proverb that says that if you educate a man, you educate an individual. But if you educate a woman, you educate a nation. And I think it could be slightly biased, but it, it really does um, you know, reflect on this agenda. We, uh, as women, women, are mothers, sisters, and are also really directly affected by registration or non-registration. And so I think we have a very strong role to play in um, advocating for this agenda and, and, and providing leadership um, in every sense. I think that's, I love that saying. I know that, you know, it might be a biased, but I absolutely think that's so important. You know, we have an, we have the responsibility to step up in our personal life as well as, and, 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 and use our voices. Um, Samira, what do you, what do you, could you build on that? Do you have something um, that you'd like to share with that? Uh, certainly, I agree that it's not only women, but I understand that women have very unique abilities to convince, but also looking at it from workforce, healthcare workforce, predominantly 
uh, many women are in this sector, midwives have an important role to become the champions, uh, teachers, uh, students. Uh, I'm just amazed as what Greta Thunberg has done as sparking the uh, dialogue on an activism around climate. Um, and uh, we, I spoke about political commitment. And yesterday I was awestruck by the first lady of Ghana talking about child mortality um, uh, due to malaria and uh, promoting a, a free mater a maternal health policy throughout uh, Ghana. Uh, so at that level, uh, I think uh, first ladies and first gentlemen in our case in the US could play a very prominent role and be the spokesperson. So this needs to go from grassroots to the highest level of influencers. Uh, we need everyone to become a champion uh, to this uh, campaign uh, to start with. And uh, the other point is we need to also make sure mothers, fathers, and the family, which was just mentioned, uh, it's a human rights issue. Um, and if we can instill that level of um, responsibility uh, and uh, activism as well as um, ensuring accountability, how much progress have we made and why and why not. I think those would be the ingredients uh, to advance this agenda forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I am, I'm seeing a lot of mm -hmm's on mute and I don't want to distract anyone when I'm listening to your messages because they are so important. You know, it really, you, you guys are absolutely spot on as much as we have a, a big role. We have to also inspire everybody um, around us to, um, to, for, to increase sort of the um, importance of CRVS, but for women and for everyone. I mean, Masidi, do you have something you could share? What, what about, what can women uniquely um, contribute to leadership and coordination to advance CRVS from your perspective and in, in the South African context? Okay, thank you very much. Yes, uh, I think I want to echo um, the previous speakers, and 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 we know that um, um, in particularly in Africa and, and in the society that I come from, women tend to be disproportionately affected uh, by 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 culture and, and the legislation that disempower them, and we know that uh, CRVS can play a, a critical role in in ensuring access to economic benefits, but also access to um, legal documents that allow them to, to be able to live a freer life and to be able to prosper as human beings. In cases where women, for instance, need to, um, to divorce and move away from a, an abusive relationship or a relationship that is disadvantaging her, her health and, and her life. Um, I think having women leaders uh, at, at, at higher levels um, uh, allows women to sit to at a chair at 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 very important tables and at higher levels to advocate for for women issues and and to influence um, decision making at higher level that will be beneficial to women um, and we've seen that uh, con con continuously in South Africa where women organizations in the rural areas have actually taken this fight about uh, um, access to land for women in the rural areas and access to um, 
documentation that will allow them once the husbands um, pass uh, from this world, they can be able to inherit um, some of the the the, the wealth that, that the husband used to own. And in cases where they don't have any documentation that proves that they were ever married, it's very important for women to have um, some legal documents that shows that they were married. Um, and it becomes very critical uh, because then it's us as women who will become, uh, who, who Will, will feel for, for such situation and, and, and have the opportunity to advocate, I think, at, at a much higher level. Thank you so much for that. That is that is really critical. I, I, I really personally love this um, this sort of angle of discussion about women in CRVS. But, um, you know, I wanted to just kind of take this one step further and say, you know, Gloria had started us off with when we when we got to the discussion section today to just with a with an inspirational call or um, with her vision that's so forward thinking about um, the future generations um, and bringing them in from you know early on educating our future generation of leaders um, you know and as you know three strong successful female leaders in the CRVS world. Um, you know, can you share a little about a particular quality you feel is critical for sound leadership as a woman, perhaps working in this specific field or CRVS and why? Like, what would you tell a future uh, CRVS leader that is inspired to kind of um, grow in this field? What is that one quality and why is that so important? Um, Samira. Being restless with the status quo. <laughs> is extremely important. Bringing partnerships, partners together. And um, while becoming leaders, creating other leaders. These are all important ingredients underlying. These are having trust in the work that is the that we all do. Um, and, and that is going to be an extremely important um, uh, qualification as well. That's, that's really good. I, I think restless, you know, in so many ways uh, is not considered a good thing, but I think in this field and just in the area of work that we're in, restless is a really good, that's, that's a great piece of feedback. I'm going to throw it out to Ms. Um, Didi. What do you, if you could build on that, what's, what is it that you've seen? That's just a really important quality to have um, female for female or not, however you want to take it and why. I think for me, the, the most important one has been ability to um, build networks and, and to be able to uh, be relentlessly um, pursue um, some of the areas where um, women have never gone before. But also critical for me is to bring in the younger um, generation of women and try and hold them in their hands and, and for them to understand the, some of the issues that are critical in in CRVS, um, and and to to and like Samira uh, said, to to relentlessly open knock on that door, um, even when it 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 will close, but to to have the patience and 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 the ability to consistently um, uh, pursue what you believe in, um, understanding that um, that has a broader effect on, on, on women and, and society. Thank you. Thank you for that. And Gloria, back to your call of action. Tell us, tell us what you think is critical <laughs> for women. 
Thank you. I think um, sitting in as a leader in a civil registration office, I would identify integrity as one of the key. Um, um, what do you call one of the key um, critical features of, of a strong leadership in this area? And why I chose integrity is because I think we are um, at a time when um, governments really need to trust what is coming out of the civil registration agency. And if the document that is being issued is not trusted, then we create an opportunity to allow the use of other alternative documents. And the same from the statistical angle, if the data that is coming through the civil registration system is not trusted, then um, governments will basically move into other alternative sources. And integrity is becoming very critical today. Um, um, and in countries like mine, um, questions of uh, how you access a document and whether it is a true and valid document um, have have raised questions uh, among the public and within government, and I think it, it is a critical feature uh, for the for a civil registration leader within uh, a, within um, a government agency to have to ensure that there is integrity within the staff and that every document that is being issued is true, is varied, is authentic, and can be trusted. Yeah, I, that is so that's so interesting because you know. Integrity is such a hard thing, you know, um, in so many ways to action and get when you're working at a national level or international level, because it comes down to trusting institutions, which are made out of people and institutions. It's hard to, you know, um, build sort of that uh, of that um, environment of trust if, if people don't trust the people that make up that institution. Right. So it starts again with the individual female or not female, but thank you for that, Gloria. Um, and I think it is part of educating from early on, um, those sort of qualities and, and, and those callings for leadership. Um, you know, I, I just want to thank you guys for that session for really sharing some of that, that angle and the gender lens and, and, and even more broadly, um, you know, for looking at like the equity lens in general for CRV work, CRVS work, because that really is so important. Um, you know, we really need that greater diversity of voices and decision-making for public health uh, transformation and definitely for CRVS transformation. It's so important. So I've, been, I've enjoyed sort of discussing that angle with you. Um, you know, I wanted to transition us a little bit to this the, the, the next session, um, you know, and encourage our audience again, if there are any questions or you'd like to sort of request to speak to please do so. And, and, and one of us will grab you and bring you up to stage uh, to with the mic. Um, but I'd like to kind of end a little more broadly, you know, in this la last bit of the, of the session today and say, you know, recently Vital Strategies has launched its reimagined public health campaign. And the core idea is that we have to be willing to say what a radically different future for public health might look like in order to chart a course there. So, you know, I'm taking a, a little bit of a different angle to this and saying, thinking about this with respect to CRVS systems, that really means breaking out of the current silos that we are working within. We generally tend to engage traditional or immediate users of CRVS, the ministries of health, you know, we tend to talk to the national statistics offices, but really, um, you know, CRVS affects everyone everywhere. Um, 
you know, many government agencies use or could use um, the data that comes out of a CRVS system. It's not just these traditional um, stakeholders or immediate ones. So a question to, to all of our speakers, um, when we think about uh, looking at public health more broadly and reimagining public health, um, how can we stimulate leadership across other sectors so that we can have greater CRVS system transformation across the board? How do we get leaders in other sectors of government to really understand the importance and value add of CRVS? Um, perhaps I could, uh, you know, I'm going to throw it out back to, 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 to uh, Samira first, and then Gloria and Masidi, please chime in. I think it starts with, as you rightly said, affects everyone. And if we are looking into the future, we want an equitable system, health equity at the center of what we do. And uh, leaving no one behind is the crux of the sustainable development goals. So public to policymakers and everyone in between, uh, and the multi-sectoral collaboration is going to be uh, essential. You spoke about Office of uh, Registrar General or a Ministry of, uh, of Interior National Statistical Office, but here we need to engage and make Ministry of Finance our champion. Uh, justice, it's a human rights issue, Ministry of Justice, and social protection services and, and many other allied ministries. And I would not necessarily now even coin them as traditional, which is health and non-traditional non-health, but COVID has shown and SDGs imply that health is truly connected to all sectors. So bringing all those sectors very creatively into a partnership, again, my summation would be time for multi-partnership has come as well to address uh, the CRVS uh, issue and make that a priority. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. The pandemic has totally shown us that, you know, we need to work across the sectors. You're right. It's far reaching the impacts, not just health alone. Um, and, and yeah, the message for CRVS is very clear. Um, okay, so then maybe over to you, Masidi. Tell us, tell us what you think. How do we get people in the other agencies in South Africa outside of who we usually speak to within the CRVS system to really um, be champions for CRVS system, use the data? Um, what do we do to reimagine that future and strengthen those partnerships? I think um, one of the things that we can do, um, and, and I, I've seen countries where they, they consistently want to get to a point where their data that comes from civil registration is perfect, is is for, for us to start publishing whatever we have and talk about the, the shortcomings in the data we have and, and talk about the benefits in the data we have. And, and 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 publish our our statistics in a way that um, is simple and and talks to to those groups that are outside of CRBS and and show them the benefits and and what what will benefit them from from the data that we have. When you think of 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 the benefits that the CR, CRBS data, like your causes of death, have for for health planning, for instance, 
and for 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 providing intervention at lower level at at no cost at all. So it it will be critical for for us to to reach out to those people. And every time we publish something, we have to make sure that we 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 market and 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 we publicize that data and 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 make them aware of of this data and and in south africa we have seen the benefit yes um, um some of the quality issues are still there but for 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 those issues where we have been able to bring this to our attention particularly we've seen that now in the time of of um covid where um we were able um to to, to as a country provide uh, indi the indicators for for excess deaths, for instance, in an environment where the the data from the the causes of death from CR is delayed and is unable to provide any answers to to authorities about what has been happening in the population, particularly in 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 our country where about forty percent of the deaths occurs in in communities, it has been very valuable uh, that, that that information. Yes, it's not perfect, but it has brought um, it has made people to talk about what can we do to improve the quality of the data. Thank you for that. Um, you know, and that that's also really important because we've talked a lot within Vital as well um, in our Bloomberg Data for Health initiative about encouraging, you know, countries to use the data that they do have and not wait for it to be perfect. And, and you know, I think we need to work more on um you know, advocating and raising awareness of how to make that how to make countries comfortable with doing that um, together with our international partners. Um, Gloria, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you what do you think? How do we engage people that we you know outside of the traditional sectors? Or what what's your take on that? How can we reimagine those partnerships? Thanks, John. I first want to com agree with Mosidi that um, it is uh, one step in the process is really putting out what you have and letting the rest of government know that this is what you have and this is quite valuable, and also demonstrating um, the civil registrations agency comparative advantage. Mosidi um, touched on the vital statistics side, but I think also on the on the on the civil registration side, um, selling the story of see you're able to record births as they happen, you're able to record deaths as they happen, and that is very unique for a civil registration agency as compared to the other government agencies that will be required to keep lists you know, of persons based on the service that they provide and being able to demonstrate that you can ease that process for them um, and inviting them to participate by also helping them, asking them to help you improve your records. Um, and to, just to give an example, uh, for instance, if we are dealing with the Ministry of Health and you're sharing, the civil registration agency is sharing that the, the data that they have, and the Ministry of Health can also share back the baby, the children that come to school without a registration records. And so it can be a kind of a symbiotic relationship where those government agencies are helping the civil registration agency build its records. And ultimately, once, because ultimately the system will improve, they become the beneficiaries, the full-time beneficiaries of, of, of improved records. So I think, um, first of all, putting out what exists, um, however imperfect it is, and secondly, inviting them to participate in the process of improving the records and being 
able to share those records consistent continuously so that they also appreciate their improvement and their role in the process. Oh, thank you for that, Gloria. Um, engagement is so important in getting people to sort of collaborate together and work, and leadership really is what we need to move that forward. Steve, I see your hand. Um, can we call you up? Thanks so much. Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, yeah, I know you, and we all know that, you know, the the pandemic has caused this massive level of interest in more accurate data and um, that uh, you've been working to help governments, you know, examine excess mortality. And a lot of the reporting I've seen has been about, you know, excess mortality due to uh, COVID. I was wondering, you know, in the past two years or prior, as countries get greater, you know, fidelity to their data, have there been other, you know, surprise areas of, you know, mortality, deaths or disease that countries have identified um, I was curious to hear any stories from the countries you're supporting that 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 found causes of death or 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 injury that that were new to them or or at a scale that were, that had been previously you know not well understood. Thank you for that. That's a really good question. Could we could could I um, ask the speakers to just share what you know twenty second response to that? Maybe we can get from all of our perspectives. I think maybe let me talk in the in the case of South Africa where we we do publish um, mortality and, and, and causes of death um, report from civil registration. Um, albeit um, our our reports have been very much um, delayed uh, due to logistical reasons and other reasons in 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 the inefficiencies in the system. But one of the things that we have seen emerging out of the data. Is, is the transitioning in, in our population from, uh, especially prior to, to the COVID. We are yet to, to see um, the COVID, uh, the impact of the COVID, because we are yet to process the 2020 data. But in the data that we have published so far, one thing that we've seen is the emergence of um, non-communicable diseases around um, largely um, the heart diseases and, and, and the cancers that have, have started to plague uh, populations that you, you would have thought are still very much in the uh, communicable space. You, the only body who knows South Africa knows that we went through a debilitating HIV um, an epidemic uh, a couple of years ago, but we're starting to see that die down from the data and we're seeing more and more um, non-communicable uh, non diseases and diseases associated with lifestyle, which has actually uh, and resulted in the, in the government starting to formal committees that, that specifically focus on, for instance, cancer. I sit on, on some committees where we look at the issue of cancer um, and, and how do we strengthen cancer cancer um, um, treatment in the country. And, and it has been quite interesting, really. Um, and it has, it has sort of shown us the value um, that we can get out of the data if we, if we are able to improve uh, its quality. Thank you so much for that. Um, I know that we're we're getting into time. Actually, that was a really that was really great um, to hear that. Um, you know, I just wanted to say thank you to all the speakers. We're getting to the last few minutes, and and to just wrap the session up. You know, we really I have really enjoyed the time hearing from each of you, having a moment to just sort of connect with you in this virtual space. I've learned a lot, and I hope it's been enjoyable for you as well as for the audience. You know, we invite you to. 
follow each of our speakers on Twitter. We will be tweeting out their handles so you can um, keep engaged. Um, just a quick last few plugs for our campaigns because we're really proud of them and we think they're going to have great impact. The Counting Everyone campaign and the Reimagine campaign from Vital Strategies. You'll be getting some information, I suppose, in the gallery. Um, feel free to follow us on Twitter. That's at Vital Strat so that you'll be in the loop. Um, and, you know, just to end on this, session, you know, the current state of the world has made it really clear and from our discussion that we must reimagine what public health looks and acts like. And that includes ensuring that everyone everywhere is counted. So thank you again for joining and see you all next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Power Hour. We hold these live conversations several times a month on Twitter Spaces. Follow us at VitalStrat on Twitter to join the conversation in real time. We'd love to see you there. To learn more about how Vital Strategies is reimagining public health, go to www.vitalstrategies.org. I'm Steve Hamill with Vital Strategies. Join us next time on the Public Health Power Hour.